It has been 10 years since Disney purchased Lucasfilm from George Lucas, and there have been eight completed, completely released live action movies or series. And we're going to take a look at all of them today on this episode by ranking them. Uh, we love them all, of course. We're Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans like Star Wars, I, I think. Uh, but And we are here <laughs> to uh, have... <laughs> yeah, I know. You'd have... <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about those a little bit later and have a good time uh, with some other topics here on the Resistance broadcast. So thanks, everybody, for joining us on this Monday, uh, middle of October, two weeks away from Halloween. I'm John. That's James. That's Lacey. James, what are you being for Halloween this year? You know, I don't. I, I mean, I know I'm going as Luigi at one point. Um, Luigi. Yeah. He, Bennett is really big into Mario, which is perfect timing because the Mario movie's coming out and everything. But it is. He's into Mario right now, and he bought me for my birthday some Luigi costume stuff. Oh, that's fun, though. <laughs> or wow. when, what, no, that was Father's Day. I was like, that was too long ago. That wouldn't have been the case. Yeah, no, it was Father's Day that he got that stuff for me. Um, to be in, in, in advance of Halloween? I think so. Yeah. Wow. I mean, not that it has. It prepares. Father's Day's in like June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he just was really into Mario, and he saw the Luigi outfit, and he's like, oh, "This is perfect for Dad. Oh. Right? <laughs> he could be Luigi. Nice. I could be Mario. That's cute." And then what is Rachel, uh, Princess Toadstool? Is that the deal? Actually, Peach. no. <laughs> I just I think I think I'm looped into Luigi because he just was buying the gift for the Father's Day thing or whatever. But um, James just goes, the- "I refuse." Now be. wait a second. Why did they yeah. they did sort of change her name from Princess Toadstool to Peach? What when did that happen and why? That happened in the games. Um N64. I think it happened No, I think it happened before um Mario Or no, 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 sorry. What I mean to say is they're aware of that in the games. There's two characters. There's Daisy and Peach. Those are two separate characters. But you're right that at one point they changed the name from Peach or from Toadstool to Peach. Um, and I actually think I could be wrong on this, but I actually think it might be the Mario Brothers movie. Oh, where they just they need they gave her um, they wanted to they gave her a name. You're thinking, okay, wait, sorry. There's Princess Toadstool, but then there's Daisy, and then there's Peach. I think Peach mm-hmm. is, so, is Princess Toadstool, according to Reddit, which we know is always accurate. In Japanese, Peach was always known as Princess Peach for the Japanese versions of the games. But in America, she was called Princess Toadstool in the Nintendo Uh version. Such a lovely name. Really rolls off the tongue. Right. And then, well, she owned it, though, you know? And then when 64 came out, they merged them. What did I say? Yeah. But, but but she became Princess Peach Toadstool. Yeah. But then they just call her Peach on, like, Mario Kart. What did I say, guys? Lacey's a gamer. She knows her stuff. I said 64. Uh, called it culture. <laughs> but then Daisy, Daisy was because of the movie, right? I don't think there's Daisy at all. No, no Daisy's, 100% Daisy's there's the Daisy. brunette one with the yellow outfit. Yeah. She came in Mario Kart. Uh, I was out of the game by then. Yeah. Uh, Lacey, what are you being for Halloween? I have no idea. It's your first Halloween as a mom. I you're gonna, know. You're going to dress up Daisy? She's going to be a strawberry. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it is really cute. I made her wear the beret <laughs> a couple months ago. It looks ridiculous. 
what am I going to be? I was really tempted. So I have a problem with Halloween costumes. And my problem Mm. is I'm always trying to be the popular thing like a year or two after it's popular. Mm. I don't know why. I really want to be a Squid Game guard this year. That is so ridiculous. I really want to be a Squid Game guard. I like looked at the jumpsuit. I was like, all I need is the mask. I can just scare kids in my neighborhood. Do you know why that's ridiculous? Are you a Squid Game guard? No. Oh. Because like two weeks after Squid Games came out on Netflix, I was like, guys, I want to take one of those little cookies that they carve so they don't get killed Mm -hmm. and, and put TRB in it. And tweet it and put it on social media. And I and you're told like, you it was so dumb. And you go, it's it's too late. The The show came out two weeks ago. And now here we are six years later. And Lacey's like, I'm going to be the guard from Squid Games. Okay, first of Get all. Get out of here. There is a time frame to make internet jokes. Oh, and if you don't fall into please, that time period, please. you look out of touch. No. Speaking of that, they, time periods. came out well after that. Daisy's got first a lot of traffic. appearance was in 1989. Super Mario Land. Oh, nice. And then she showed up again in 91. And then she was also in something else around that time. Uh, Like she was a playable character in Mario Tennis. Um, But then the big thing was that when they did the movies, 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie, they went, they gave her the name Daisy. And I think that was the first big public, everybody was going, what? That makes no sense. Yeah, who? Wh- who's Daisy? You know, like I love they that. Hadn't, that's they the thing that they the, were like. Forget everything knew, else with that movie. They knew Peach or they knew Toadstool, but they didn't know. Mm. All right, John. So, what are you being? I'm not sure yet. Still tossing some ideas around. I love that you asked both of us. Like, I felt like you were waiting for us to ask you. No, then, no, no. I think I'm gonna Johnny's be Squid Game. Gonna, although son. I'm really short, so I feel like I can't get away with that. Hmm. Hmm. My Halloween decorations for though, a squid trooper. Yeah. My decorations on my house though are legit and our our mm. street is like super competitive without anybody ever saying they're competitive. I'm basically making this up. But I like to think that we're all competitive. Um, so we're trying to step it up. We got lights and we got spider web. Mm. Matt's building uh, a Michael Myers figure to sit in an Adirondack chair and he's got like these torch speakers that are going to play the Halloween music. Just pay me. I'll show up in there. I'll sit there like a mannequin. Then when the kids walk up, I'll run it. I'll walk after. You want to come? I have a good neighborhood. You and the kids can walk around if you want. Well, it might cause problems. Also, I like I might get shot too. (laughs) There's people that do creepy stuff on our street all the time. There's this like clown thing that follows you when you drive by at the end of the street. It's creepy. Mm, Nope. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Johnny, my son Johnny's going to be a monster truck driver because he's just obsessed with monster trucks right Does now. Does he have like the inflatable little outfit that he drives around in? Does he watch By the way, Blaze? this is a Star Wars podcast. I know. I want, I didn't know we were going to go fully down the full biography of Princess Peach. I was just making a joke, but. Oh my gosh. Happy Halloween. Anyway. Halloween uh, ended this weekend though. Halloween ends. We are not sure about uh, what we're doing with Daisy. We're tossing around a couple of ideas there. So that's that. Uh, but we are here to talk Star Wars. Yes. Um, just a reminder, TRB Live this Wednesday. Uh, we're booting James for the week. Get out. Goodbye. He's in another castle. <laughs> yeah, he's going back to Galaxy's Edge again. Do you yeah, get it? Did you get the joke? Real estate there. I'm not, not yeah. going back to Galaxy's Edge. You're not? Nope. 
He's going to the scary party. Not yeah, so scary. Party. We're only going to Magic Kingdom for the one night. Oh, okay. That party is so fun. You're gonna get so much candy. Um, but no, no, yeah, it'll be me and Lacey. Um, maybe a guest. We'll see. Uh, TBD on TRB. But join us anyway. 9 p.m. East live Wednesday to talk about episode seven of Andor. Uh, excited about that. But here we are to talk to you about a bunch of stuff. <laughs> we and spent the- almost 10 minutes talking through Mario <laughs> and Halloween costumes. I, I almost segued us into our first segment and you had to reiterate that to I'm make sorry. it even longer. I'm sorry. Wait, can Is I tell my story else? from the airport? No. <laughs> <laughs> you told that for 40 minutes. I'm a um, detective now. Go back and watch it. All right. James, <laughs> we have a segment called Will the Force. Let's do it. I fear nothing for all this as the Force wills it. Will the Force is brought to you by Patreon, and we're going to kick it off with one of our patrons' submissions. Joey sent us the question because, you know, he's a patron, and he said, hey, I'd like to know the answer to this question, and I'm going to submit it, and here we are on the show asking uh, or answering the question, will we see Cobb Vanth in Mando Season 3? John, you get to go first on this one. Any chance that that... uh, you know, silver-haired fox or whatever you want to say, whatever the term is. Is he coming back James. for season three? <laughs> well, well, that's what people say, right? I forget the James, term. like, he's hot, right? Everyone says no, he's hot? Okay, or cool. Or salt, salt and pepper or something? No, silver fox is correct. Usually I get called silver fox. Yeah. No, you don't. Yep. Every day almost. Um, what? Whether it's the lady at Duncan, you know, who knows? All right, here's the deal. Cobb that, that seems is going right. to be in <laughs> the Mando Duncan. season three. <laughs> and then I think because he has to see Pelimato, she's going to be back. He's going to go to Tatooine again. And who's there running the show? Cobb. He'll be there with his robo shoulder. Mm. Drinking some spotchka. Lacey, do you think he's coming back? I'm just thinking about John going to Duncan and some lady being like, you're a silver fox. And John being like, what? <laughs> Ma'am, it's lady. 7 a.m. I'm going to mention that on the podcast. They're like college girls who are just like, oh, my God, this guy's the best. <laughs> you know it's not college girls saying anything. I love how you talked over my whole answer. So I, I, And I wasn't even going to stop, so I purposely kept talking. <laughs> so the audience is probably already annoyed. We spent 10 minutes talking about Halloween costumes when we were supposed to spend like a minute on it. Okay. And now here we are going on with this. I love that this is coming from the guy that's like, they love when we banter. They love when we talk about other things than Star Wars. And the moment that I do it, he's like, you need to get in line. You need to well, keep it together. When you start talking for forty minutes about something, it's like enough already. Jeez. We we need a we need a meme of somebody be, of Andor being like, "Is it on a rail? Is it on rails?" And me and Lacey being like, "No, <laughs> nope, off the rails." No. All right, uh, Lacey, uh, will we see Cobb Vanth in Mando spend season six three? minutes going through our rankings later because we have no time left. Okay, <laughs> I just someone go through and cut all the clips together of John being like. You guys love talking about whatever, so let's talk about whatever. There's nuance to that. There's good <laughs> tangents, and then there's rambling nonsense, and that's what this is about. Everything I say is important. I hope this is someone's first episode, and they're like, this is the worst <laughs> Star Wars podcast I've ever listened to in my life. Oh, my God. <laughs> never listening again. All right. Cobb Vanth is definitely coming back for Mando Season 3. Um, he's a fan favorite character. Timothy Oliphant is fabulous, and we had that 
clip of him at the end of Book of Boba Fett where he's in the Bacta tank. So he's going to take over as sheriff. It would make sense that he is the guy that we see in season three. 100%. Uh, well, no, I'll say 99% because there is a chance that they do Book of Boba Fett season two or whatever, and he doesn't show up till that because he's technically more linked now to that. But I think Mando season three is the spot for him. Um, that's where they're going to meet up again. I'm excited to see him back. He was, I, I think, I think still to this day, maybe that uh, first episode of season two, you know, with his appearance and all that is my favorite Mando episode. I was going to say your favorite. You always say that. So I I think um, the fact that we got the hint at the end and, and Boba Fett has the line about like, oh, man, maybe this whole thing isn't what it, it was cracked up to be. Maybe I'm not meant for this. Um, and then showing Cobb Vanth. It just they're going to they're going to show him again. They're coming back to that character. So get excited, Joey, um, that uh, you'll see him again. All right, uh, let's move on to the next one here. If Ahsoka is still being produced as a one-shot limited series, will it be followed by another series with Ezra as the main lead? Lacey, you get a chance to go first on this one. Any chance that Ahsoka is keeping to its promise, one-shot limited series, and we're actually going to see more of an Ezra show taking the lead. So I think the Ahsoka series is going to be a one shot. However, I do think all the characters that we see in Ahsoka are then going to go elsewhere, like into the Mandoverse, into uh, that kind of culmination event that Kathleen Kennedy had spoken about on Disney Investor Day. Now, obviously there's a caveat of There have been many things that have been canceled or moved around or plans that have been changed, but I really do think that this is just the beginning that we've seen with those characters um, for like the Rebels group in live action, and they wouldn't be bringing all these characters together if they were just going to do it like one and done. I think they're going to carry these through to other series. I don't think he's going to be the lead, though. John, what do you think? It's really tough because, you know, Ezra was our main protagonist for Rebels. So people could say like, well, he already had his moment. Now let's give Sabine the spotlight or something. And, you know, she's, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but I mean, she's definitely showing up in Mando. The, everything with the Darksaber, Bo-Katan, it's all right there. I think end of season three, she's showing up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at some point for sure. And then. You know, the whole culmination event thing that Kathleen Kennedy talked about, I went back and looked at her exact quote, like it was heavily leaning upon ranges of the New Republic being a part of that. Mm. So I don't know if the culmination event is still happening how they envisioned it. Um, But you're casting your live action Ezra. He's a Jedi. He's a fan favorite. Um, He's going to have a lot of he's going to have a future. Um, Now, how they tell that story and how he is gone from the sequel trilogy, which is still like 20 years after this time, because this is all taking place in the Mandalorian era remains to be seen, but I would like to see more. I mean, we've seen so much of Ahsoka, so I don't think seeing more of Ezra in a lead spot would be ridiculous, especially now that he could be like fully uh, a Jedi master, so to speak, not in the shadow of, um, 
uh, Kane and Jairus or, or, or dealing with the Thrawn stuff. Like, let, let's get him past that. I think we've been waiting to find Ezra. And like you said, Lazy, it's not just, oh, we found him. It's like, no, now we found him. And now we can see Ezra really do some cool stuff. So I say, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I say no. I, I think that they will do Ahsoka and that will be its own thing. But, and what you guys are saying, I think is also true that they will have these characters that they've been clearly building up to. They've been feeding us Sabine, uh, in, you know, like possibly Mandalorian season three and then also in Ahsoka. And I don't think that they would do that. They find Ezra and then, you know, maybe the two of them are romantic or whatever. And they, but like, You'd have to build that, you know, especially for people like you might be able to buy that Sabine was going after her husband or something like that. And then they found him and they're like, oh, they're together again. But it's like we've never seen that really that romantic tension. So if you want to tell that story, you have to let those two be together for a while. And but the only thing that hangs me up on this is that the next show after this would be Ezra. And that would be the title of the show. I think it would be more, way more likely Sabine led. And I think even more than that, they might do something different, like a bad name off the top of my head, you know, like the rebels or something like that. And it's just like about the gang or the group or something. Um, but, uh, and I know that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> what a show called ghost crew. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, I just don't I don't see it being in the vein of The Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan, Andor, and the next one's, you know, Ahsoka and then Ezra. Like I don't think Ezra's going to be the lead there. So that that's the way I'm looking at it. Um we get another one here from one of our patrons. This one's coming from Mike Waldron, um aka Darth Hurricane as we know him on the uh well, in the base, I guess. In, in all forms of the base, uh, the metaphorical base. All right. Uh, since we typically see characters who leave the Empire for the Rebellion, will we ever see a significant spy or traitor going from the Rebels to the Empire? Um, he says, will... Oh, he says, will we see? I thought it was, will we ever see? Um, but will we see in Andor specifically uh, a spy or traitor from on the Rebellion's side? moving into the empire side um john you get to go first on this one what do you think i hope so i i think that'd be really interesting because we do lean heavily on the other way around you know so many people that we didn't even realize started you know with the empire and, and then turned to the rebellion which does make sense you know defecting and that sort of thing so i think it would be interesting to to fl- give us a little more of that on the flip side and seeing, you know, what, because it'd be an interesting to, thought, you know, what would drive somebody to that point? Is it desperation? You know, is it security? Is it complacency? Are they forced into it? So I, I think that'd be an interesting thing to see. I don't know if I need it on a grand scale of a, we're doing a, you know, the, a whole episode dedicated to this person, yeah, whatever. But I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool to see. Lazy? All I can think about is DJ in The Last Jedi. And how angry I was about that whole scenario. I think it's a cool idea coming from Mike. Thank you, Mike. Um, 
I'm going to say no. I don't think we're going to see that. I definitely don't think we're going to see it in Andor. Um, but I'm even hesitant to say that we're going to ever see it, period. Um, mm. my, my answer, my thought on this is that there's sort of a reason that we only ever see that side. And it's because the Empire is the status quo and people just kind of go into that because that's the obvious route that everybody takes. And when they realize that it's bad, they defect. It's very rare that someone would say, like, be uh, an American, start on the German side of the war, and then defect back to the Americans kind of thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No. It doesn't to you, John? No. Because I, I see the rebels as the, like the enemy to the stat the to the the world that you're born into. You're born yeah. into the world and you're expected if you're going to go in the military route, if you're expected to go into some sort of law enforcement that doesn't mean or you're anything. Part of the empire though. You're under empire rule doesn't mean you're a part of it. Doesn't mean you're a part of the military. I think he's asking somebody literally joining the ranks, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't feel like you join the rebel alliance as your first like thing. I don't know. It seems strange to me. And then, and then when you're joining, like, I feel like if you were joining, you would have to have some sort of awareness of the political landscape of things. So to then join and then be like, Oh man, this rebellion, (laughs) terrorism, whatever is not what I thought it was. I want to go join the regular status quo military. I I feel like it's a little backwards. It, I, I think people like to think of them as two sides often, but I mean, rebels are supposed to be like small pockets. Um, and I feel like most people would probably just join the Empire first and then make a decision to defect, which is the very dangerous thing to do. Um, mm. All right, well, let's move on to the next one here. Um, it's, uh, will the Star Wars movie that is set to release on December 19th of 2025 be written and directed by Taika Waititi? Lacey, do you think that a will happen <laughs> and B when that movie inevitably does happen uh, because it's on the schedule. Do you think that's the Taika Waititi movie? This question hurts a little bit because they sent out that updated schedule from Disney this week, this past week. And it said 2025 and 2027. And it had all these other movies. And then I was like, this hurts this seeing this hurts. That's what inspired writing. it. I'm sure it is. It, it just seeing this again, I'm going back to that feeling of the first time I read it being like, oh no. <laughs> um, yes, I think the 2025 movie is Taika's movie because that's the only one that we have actual active discussions that it's happening. That people are still locked in even discussing it. Yeah. Rogue One was canceled. Rogue Ryan's Squadron. like, oh, sorry. Rogue Squadron was canceled. Ryan Johnson was like, what did, eventually. What did Rogue One say that was so offensive? Uh, whatever. Uh, and then, <laughs> yeah, I think Taika is the only one that's been actively like, oh, yeah, I'm working on a story. I have a writer. We're working on the treatment. And he's a little weird that he might be further along than he says, but I guess we'll find out. That's a good point. 
John, what do you think? Do you think it's the Taika movie, or do you think that this it will Rogue Squadron will get back on track? I don't know. I think Taika's out. Really? I I that I I hope I'm wrong. You know, uh, I I feel like there was a heavy mixed reaction to Love and Thunder. Do you think it's um, Kevin Feige's movie then? No, I I don't know. I, I think <laughs> who what, knows if they ha- they put a date on the calendar. Well, what I think, well, that those dates have always sort of been there. It was 2023, 25, they gave it and to Avatar, yeah. And there was thought that it was supposed to be the Benioff and Wise movies. It's supposed to be Ryan Johnson, then one of the Benioff and Wise, and then this. Remember this whole thing? And yeah, then Rogue Squadron they had comes one every year at least, yeah. Like those dates were set for movies before Rogue Squadron, and that's been canceled since. Yeah. That took the place of another thing that got canceled. Oh my god! It's like, and now Rogue One's must be tweeting things and getting itself canceled. I don't know what's going on. I feel like but, that old lady. It's been eighty-four years. Yeah, <laughs> like going through all these announcements. Yeah, her and the other lady are like, yeah, storms coming, Annie. Like they're both <laughs> just like having a rough time. Annie. But I, and I hope I'm wrong. I'm just saying, like, and this is all based on that interview Kathleen Kennedy gave this right before celebration, mm-hmm. uh, with with uh, Vanity Fair. Was that the one Bresnikin's with? Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and she said, like, we can't just have someone show up, make one movie, and bounce. And that's right now what Taika's thing was. And she said we need a, we need long term commitments from people and stuff. I think they have washed that whole whiteboard and are rebooting the whole thing. And I'm hoping they've been working on it so that at celebration they give us finally the. Yes, Star Wars movies are coming back, and here's our actual plan now. We mm-hmm. have a concrete plan. We have our our Feige, so to speak, for the movies. And that's the only reason why I say that. I, I want to see a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie, but we haven't heard much from it lately. And those last things Taika said, I know I've said this a few times now, sounded very much like stuff Ryan Johnson said when people have been asking him about his movies. I just... I just think with with what's been going on and her statements about what is you know, happening, pla- pla- planning out the future of the movies, it just wouldn't make sense to like wipe all this other stuff clean and be like, but Taika, you can still make that one movie. I, I just don't know. For some reason, I just don't think that movie is going to be Taika Waititi's movie. I, I think it's going to be whatever that is. If it, if it holds to 2025, they may just punt it all. And I was going like, to say that's the other. I was, Star Wars movies. That's what I'm worried we'll see about. You, we'll see you. That's why I tweeted like maybe just don't put them on the schedule. Like, don't report things until you have something to report. Like the because here's the thing: if we don't get some type of announcement next year in 2023, we're not getting a movie in 2025. No, of course not. The crazy, so, yeah. The craziest thing with all of this to me is like we ask Lucasfilm to just tell us what you're doing, and when they like when they don't, we get mad because they're not telling us what they're doing. But when they do tell us what they're doing, then they never follow through with any of it. So it's like, I guess I don't want them to tell us what they're doing until they know they're going to go through with something. But then you get back in that same mindset where you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> why can't you tell us what you're what you're up to and why what's going on behind the scenes? How hard is it to say this is the director? This is the writer. And they you would probably argue every time we do that, <laughs> it falls through. That movie, if it's coming out in December of. 2025 would have to start filming in the early part of 2024 
That's what I'm saying. If they don't make an announcement or some type of update like this is starting next year, it's not happening. If Yeah, if they don't announce anything for that movie at Celebration, which is their big shot to do it, I'd be shocked if they waited till like D23 or whatever and say like, hey, big news. In four months, we're starting filming our next Star Wars movie. Well, they, they still want have to build the, that juice. They still have the 2024 Celebration, theoretically. If they're doing in San Diego Comic Con, I hear you. I'm just saying, if they do, yeah. if they announce the, at 2023, there's going to be a 2024, and it's at Orlando or Anaheim or something like that. They could make that one the announcement for this movie. That's going to be the and 2025 also, movie. Not but, for nothing. I I want to keep this positive because I I think the future of Star once they figure it out, I think there's going to be a really good feeling about the future of Star Wars movies once they finally figure out the plan. Mm-hmm. Instead of like putting band-aids on things. Once they finally like say like enough's enough, let's completely regroup. I think it's going to be a really positive and good for Star Wars. So let me just say that. The the only other negative thing I have is if they're going to keep like saving these all these announcements and stuff for these conventions that aren't Star Wars celebration, they're going to have to really reevaluate the value of celebration in terms of like big stuff beyond just be a hangout for star wars fans mm. so i mean we're, you know people traveling overseas to different countries to go be a part of something big like those tfa trailer moments or mark hamill walking out on stage with harrison ford and carrie fisher or the reveal of you know your new han solo you know those types of things you know are, are really important for those fans that are in in there and those are memories kept for a long time if they say like well we're gonna announce this at san diego and d23 is gonna get this Star Wars Celebration, you get to watch the first episode of our next animated series. And Indiana Jones. Well, we'll talk about Indiana Jones at Star Wars Celebration. Um, but anyway, I, I I hope when we get... I mean, it'd be great if we got to Celebration and they're like, here, we were waiting to tell you all this. Here it is. Big news. The new trilogy or whatever. I'm not expecting that. But I, I have a feeling just maybe the Taika thing's not going to be this next movie. And they're really based on what Kathleen Kennedy herself said, they're regrouping. They're trying to find the person to put in the seat to really be the architect of the future. And then things are going to get really good from there. So I'm really hopeful. I think it's going to be awesome, but I think we're still in the weeds a little bit. Does feel a little strange that it's taken Lucasfilm 13 years. Then at that point, 2025 to finally get their stride (laughs) on like how they want to do this stuff. But, um, one thing I, I wanted to add to that, John, um, like as my turn is like, I'm inclined to think that you are correct. The only thing that sort of does hang me up though, is a little bit is that Taika Waititi did show up for Mandalorian and he played in that world. And he then did the gallery afterwards. Like he, it wasn't like, well, it's everybody, but Taika, you know, it's like he was there, he showed up, he played. And he, at that moment said, I like this. And, and I want to sign on. Yeah. And so I think like if there is something there that it's not just like a pipe dream, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do Star Wars? Like he did Star Wars. He tried it out. He liked it and then agreed that he that I, I down the line, I'm doing a movie. So there, I think there's something in his heart that says this. That's where I want to be. I do want to commit to that instead of yeah. just like. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if I did a Star Wars? They're offering it to me. Yeah, I'm gonna take it. I can change my mind later, um, after seeing fans or whatever. Like he already got hope, that treatment yeah. and liked it, so he he might be. I hope I'm wrong. He yeah. might stick to it. Um, that is gonna end Will of the Force though this week, and we are gonna head into the 
discussion. Obi One once thought as you do. All right, yeah. So speaking, of, so this is going to be a, a pretty positive discussion here. We're we're going to be ranking our Disney Star Wars live action movies and series. Um, and what we did is we each gave our rankings, and then we tabulated you know the point structure and put together our averages. So this is our combined list of one through eight. Uh, Andor we agreed to leave off because it's not done yet, so it is fair not fair include it yet so we're doing all the movies that came out uh in the last 10 years under disney's lucasfilm and the live action series and i i just figured if we had added the animated series then we're talking about 11 12 i just figured we can tackle the uh animated later right now stick into the live action so what we're going to do is go from our eighth to first and for each one we're going to spend a couple of minutes just talking about things we love about that particular series or movie um just from the perspective of looking for the things that make us feel good uh about all these things whether it's our least favorite or favorite and you know if if we talk about what came in at number eight you know maybe it was number five on my list stuff like that but it's really just um taking a look at at this and then also uh shining some love to to aspects of these things whether they're our favorite or not so um and people love lists people always have a good time talking about lists so (laughs) The first one coming in at number eight, uh, The Book of Boba Fett. Um, so I think that was collectively towards the bottom of all of our lists, obviously uh, being the overall last here. Um, but uh, James, things that stand out from you from The Book of Boba Fett that you love or, or that you look back on finally, uh, favorite episode, favorite moment, anything from from that series that uh, you enjoy? Um. I mean, obviously, I want to say, like, you know, the way it all ended, I feel like the the climactic uh, showing up of all the characters and being together as a team um, had the same vibe that Mandalorian did. Um, The one thing that really stuck out to me is like a a thing, because I'll say right now, this is our first like little difference here, is actually put Obi-Wan below, and I put Book of Boba Fett as my number seven. Um, mm-hmm. the difference there is I just, there were parts of the book of Boba Fett that I remember we were doing Mando fan show and me going like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, what do you want if you don't want black Chrysanthemum and these huts and Boba yeah, Fett right. and Fennec Shan and a rancor? Like, like it, they're all standing there having this conversation. If you don't want that, I don't know what you want, you know? And it just, it was <laughs> so cool to see all that in live action. There it is. It's real life. Um, I can't believe they went there. They're doing it. Um, and, and then, like I said, to, to have all those characters like come together and like you have, you know, Cobb Vanth and, and like uh, the Mandalorian himself and Baby Yoda and Palimato, you know, characters. it's like, I actually yeah. think I put this backwards. I did this very early on quickly. During the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm with James. I think Obi-Wan's my bottom in Book of Boba Fett's above that one. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, so, um, so that being said, though, um, the, I mean, those were standout points to me. Um, but there is still a reason it was at the bottom. I definitely spent like the first two episodes kind of like, okay, you know, we're kind of chugging along here. Um, there was production issues at, at times and I wasn't sure like this was the story people wanted out of book, uh, out of Boba Fett. 
I felt like there was kind of conflict there. Like some people who really knew him liked that we were getting the even deeper story. And the people who just wanted the bounty hunter guy was like, I don't know why we're spending so much time with him out of the suit in the sand, digging holes, you know, like what's going on here. Um, So I I think that uh, there seems to be a group tendency to not like book a boat fit. Yeah, I... I really like Book of Boba Fett. I, I think the huts and the scene where he blows up the Sarlacc pit was amazing. Oh, gosh. The the Rancor is just crazy. And all the scenes with Grogu, that episode with Mando is like one of the best episodes, even though it's not Mandalorian yeah. <laughs> of Star yeah. Wars live action. I really did book, love Book of Boba Fett. And I know people had their critiques about it. But I liked it more than Obi-Wan. And the reason I did, which is surprising for me to say, guys, this takes a lot for me to say, <laughs> because I was one of the biggest people that's like, Obi-Wan's going to be amazing. I cried when Ewan said yes to being able to do it. I was totally on board. I felt that while Kenobi was amazing, I think he did a great job. I think uh, Vivian Lyra Blair was amazing mm-hmm. as Leia. I thought that story was pretty good. I I fall back, and I don't know if James feels the same way, when I look at scenes and and moments from that show, it feels like a room. Like, it feels like one room that they just shot this whole show in. And I know that's not the case, but it just felt very small for such an epic story, whereas I feel like Book of Boba Fett did more with his character than they did with Obi-Wan. Yeah, I have... um... I had Boba Fett as my last and I'm I'm holding it there, but there are so many things I miss about it and may want to go revisit. Like mm-hmm. I I wasn't the biggest Clone Wars fan. I'm still not really. I, I think a lot of it's a little too hokey and it's too segmented and sometimes too expansive mm-hmm. um, with characters that really aren't that important to me. But the Cad Bane live action stuff was just otherworldly awesome. I, I thought they nailed the... Uh, physical manifest manifestation of that the 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 animatronics and the the person in the suit like every aspect of it and then the voice that you know they could have really botched the mix on that i think i think they did a good job with that cad bane was really cool and and it's like people forget about that like think about book of boba fett as something else and then you're like you didn't like Cad Bane showing up? They're like, oh shoot i forgot that that happened yeah (laughs) there was a lot in that show Yeah, and then that moment towards the end that I, I was sort of waiting for, and the, one of the reasons why it's is, is towards the bottom is, you know, Boba Fett really wasn't Boba Fett in this series. And then towards the end, when he's having that fight with Cad Bane, and, you know, you're like, he's he's pulling the old Boba Fett out of him right now by, by what he's facing down with and Mm -hmm. that duel and everything like that and that last episode which was a lot of people's least favorite i I loved so much and you know seeing grogu's growth uh the luke stuff like ahsoka's in there like the book of boba fett was absolutely stacked with actor appearances and cameos characters and um but it all i felt was good I, i don't think it was, you know, people like to toss out fan service and nostalgia out there and stuff. And I know, you know, Lucasfilm's very precious about preserving the suspension of disbelief with the continuity of how a character looks. So they didn't recast Mark Hamill. And I actually uh, prefer that. 
Um, but I really had a great time. I'm going to revisit parts of Book of Boba Fett. So even though it's at the bottom of my list, just like, you know, Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. is my least favorite mm-hmm. Star Wars movie, I still love it. You know, I, I, there's a lot of aspects of those things I really enjoy. So moving on to what we already just talked about, number seven on our list is Obi-Wan Kenobi. If I looked at this list four months ago, I would be, five months ago, I would be devastated. I'd be like, oh my God, Obi-Wan is seventh. <laughs> yeah. I, oh no. And, and if, and truth be told, if Lacey does flip, then that that would flip these two. So right. based on what she said earlier, it would be seventh, but based on what she's saying now, it would actually be eighth. So it's like, it, yeah, it's, so it's down there. We could, yeah, it's down there. And But in terms of things I loved, they did Vader to perfection. Yes, in this series. they did. I, I, I honestly could. I don't know. Even if I super hyped up in my mind, Vader being in this series, it hit every note that they said that. it was going to be. Yeah. yeah, with Hayden, yeah. with the actors. How, yes, how they did the re-speecher with James Earl Jones's voice that he signed off on. Vader sounded strong. Um, it sounded good. Yeah, that. And yes, there's issues with the production. Clearly, the the volume was visible and in, in, in felt claustrophobic in a lot of these scenes. But because of the story it is, which is really just the story of these two, um, the, the fateful reunion of, of Anakin and Obi-Wan, I don't mind it being that sort of intimate mm. feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, lo- I was able to look past that because I thought Ewan did such a great job. I, I thought it was maybe his best version of Obi-Wan and uh, him and Vader. And, and as it kept going, the series kept getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like you said, Lacey, I liked young Leia. Um, I, you know, again, you know, how can you get a better brew and Owen Lars casting besides bringing those two back, Joel Edgerton and Bonnie peace. And, uh, just, you know, Reva, I, I'm still, I, I don't know if that was the, the changes they made and stuff with that, if that, if that worked, but overall, you know, to cap it off with that, that final episode that I believe I gave it 10, um, that, that final duel between them um, and then the music that Natalie Holt brought and using the John Williams stuff towards the end there with his approval. That is some great star Wars, that final duel between the two of them and, and the, just the, the broken heartedness of, of Obi-Wan and, and then you get the cherry on the Sunday, finally getting the payoff with Qui-Gon at the end, which was done nicely. I think they didn't overdo it. Wait, uh, he's I, in that Liam Neeson's in that. He said he wasn't, <laughs> you know, it's just some people just they're just born liars. I mean, this is one of them. <laughs> but I think what what I love about Obi Wan is it went out strong. You know, it may not have been the True. best, but it kept getting better. So my lasting impression of it and how it ended, I think they're probably going to make some more. It looks like uh, I thought was really nicely done. They, they stuck the landing. I think mm-hmm. is is the biggest thing for me. Yeah, that that was sort of my criticism of it too. Like in the beginning. Is that um, I said? Look, the the show really only has to end well, like because the beginning of the show, everybody kind of forgives that. They're like, "Well, that's not Obi Wan," you know. Um, and uh, I think one of my big takeaways from the show was just the big switcheroo that they gave us, where we all thought the show was going to be about Obi Wan and Luke, and it ended up being about Obi Wan and Leia. Mm-hmm. And I, I. Um, and maybe it's because it was there at celebration, but I remember like, you know, being in that room and I'm standing there and, and everybody's like, 
what? Like, like th this is incredible. Like, we did not expect to see Alderaan. We did not expect to see Leia. Um, right. And having that be uh, the main thing, I think, was really cool and really special. Um, I think the... I think Lacey's points are right about the the feeling claustrophobic and obviously the whole way through it I felt like, you know, I was saying things about the special effects and stuff. Um I'm still a little bit in that sidestep of like, did we need that story? I think it's cool to have mm -hmm. it, but like mm -hmm. I, I'm I was like, I was fine with Ben just being in the desert the whole time and okay, it's a good opportunity to bring you in back. Let's do it. You know, we'll make something. But you know, it's it's hard to say how much better the story is now. It is better. I think it is better. But it's hard to say that I don't think mm -hmm. it like totally made it way better. Um and the very But it's cool that you took you took you because you went I mean, everyone knows who listens, you went into this saying like, Oh, I don't I'm not excited about Kenobi. I don't think we need this at all. Mm -hmm. I think it's forced and blah blah blah. And the fact that you were able to take something out of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, improve yeah. the stories. There's is so good, much yeah. stuff in it that was yeah. very that was good and I'm happy that it, it exists. I, I love the the episode where they're they're fighting, you know, um doing the flashback thing and how that all plays out. That's that's great stuff. Um the one thing though that really like was like, man, that was the perfect thing for me to say, like, yeah, they really stuck the landing was that that final fight echoed too much to me of Rebels. And that was that was the one thing that I was like, if this was this crazy, incredible fight, which it was if for most people, but to the people who had seen Rebels or who were familiar with Rebels, to me, it was like, this is a repeat of a story that we already got. It's a great story. It's great how it plays out, but it feels borrowed and not original to Obi-Wan. So mm -hmm. as much as I liked the ending of it, there was a little bit of that as well. I know. So, Lacey, you had this at your bottom on the re-edit of your list. Sorry, it um, wasn't a re-edit. I was just moving quickly. And then when James started talking about it, I was like, <laughs> oh, I had that wrong. So I apologize. But okay. I, it's just weird for me, like I said earlier, because it's definitely the show that I was like, oh, this is going to be so epic. And then looking back on it, I think a part of it, honestly, is because you guys saw the premiere in a room full of people. I did not. True. I watched it by myself in a hotel room at you know, 6 a.m. the next day. You were definitely so, rockier on those first episodes than we were. Right, because I saw it by myself. And, and I know that that feeds into the experience. Mm -hmm. A lot of my experiences with TFA are locked into those nostalgic, I was in the room for this, I was in a movie theater for this. It's just a different experience. Um, so I think that's playing into this a little bit, if I'm honest. Um, but that being said, I found that Kind of going off what you said, James, the question is, at the end of the day, did we need this story? Did this story change your perspective of Obi-Wan Kenobi, of Darth Vader, of the original trilogy, of everything that you know about those characters? Or if you never saw this series, would, it re would you be missing anything? And I think that's a kind of a challenging question I've been asking myself because I think I would always be the person that would say, yes, of course. But when I'm looking back on it, I'm like, you know what? I would miss Tala. I'd miss little Leia. Um, I'd miss seeing the different planets. 
but I don't know if I would miss Obi-Wan and Vader's confrontations or miss their their situations that they're in and, and the tension between them. I think there's a lot of beats where it's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, um, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi at the inquisitorious place where he's mm. throwing water out the window and like throwing it at stormtroopers. Like, that's a very fun moment. And he does like the twirl where you're like, he did it. He did the thing. <laughs> and then the big fight at the end where he fights with Vader and has that really emotional moment and the callback with Luke. I think there are moments where you're like, that is so wonderful and gifable and and great and it's what i wanted as a fan but if we're looking at it as a list from one to eight of something that stays with me that is has impacted my viewing experience as a fan and overall fandom i don't think kenobi did that for me i don't think it had that impact but i think ewan mcgregor is fabulous I think he can play Obi-Wan Kenobi for as long as he wants, and I'll, I'm always going to watch it. Do I need another season? I don't know. But that's why it kind of hits that bottom of the list for me. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there are just so many wonderful moments in this series that just add to the weight and emotional impact of the vader kenobi friendship brotherhood uh you know relationship just like their interactions within the prequels within books and comics and much more of just like how and the clone wars too how painful it was for everything that transpired after he turned to darth vader if if I could speak for you, Lacey, I think one you sure. might be missing that I think you'll like is the relationship between Kenobi and Leia, like how that. Oh ended. yes, yes, yes. Yep, I was getting there. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that that <clears throat> bit I think is my favorite part because with A New Hope, us as fans were always just like, how did this happen? How does she not know who he is? Like, mm-hmm. if this is gonna work, how are they gonna make it work? And the fact that he was like, you can never let anybody know that we know each other. And then she gets this kind of glimpse of her parents through him. And he gets the understanding that at the end of the day, he made the right choices for their children as Padme and Anakin's children. And then he he did get to protect them. Um, it's really awesome. And now that everybody can pull that glance that he gives them in A New Hope where Leia and Luke are together again, it like obviously adds a little bit more there. But yeah, no, I think it's a great series. I think Deborah Chow did an amazing job. Ewan did a great job. Um I, I fall back on that production stuff, but it's Star Wars. It's still awesome. The, and the show didn't it fail. Great. It's just the, our least favorite. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Our second to least favorite. Yeah. Least favorite, second yeah. to least favorite. It's, it's, we're, we're, I think yeah. I, it's funny because, Lacey, you said like you like all the other stuff, but maybe not so much the Obi-Wan Vader stuff. And that. The Obi-Wan Vader stuff is the only thing I'm cool with taking and leaving all the other stuff behind. Like, I didn't say I didn't like it. Well, I, I just yeah, said I, I didn't necessarily saying... need it. Like, sure. yeah, if you were yeah. looking at the way, and this is probably the wrong way to look <clears throat> at it, if you look at the list and you go, hey, you got to get rid of one, I think that that story That's, would You not... hate that so much. <laughs> it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not... It's just like, you know, it, it's you're ranking it, and that's how I yeah, rank yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, <clears throat> I actually, this is like a sizzling take, but I think the Leia 
and Obi-Wan thing is troublesome, but they made it work. But I know why is they that why you made a cause... face when I said that? No, I was just, th- <laughs> no, I came to re- the realization myself. It didn't have to do with what you were saying. I didn't want you to take it that way, but uh, it was like, it's funny. They, Go back and watch like, when... John makes a face. He's like, <laughs> well, they need to tell the story and they knew they couldn't get Luke off the planet. So how, what's going to make him leave? And the only thing is Leia. It's like, so basically they, they made this because they wanted to make this series. So the, the story came after the desire to make the series. And that yep. sometimes is a little troublesome to me, but they made it work. And I, I really, or it was it. a different so, story and they needed to <clears throat> fix it. They need to get them off world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So next up on the list, number six is the last Jedi. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're trying to just really focus on the things we enjoyed from all this stuff. I know we're going to bring up things that we have issues with, but to keep it positive, um, on the last Jedi, you know, number six on our list, uh, Lacey, your thoughts on, uh, the last Jedi, um, on our list right now. I'm confused how this is working. Did you average these out? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. So confused. (laughs) Lisa was busy um, at, when we were coming up with everything, so she's like, I'll send over my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, it makes sense. I was just like looking at mine and then the guys next to mine, and I'm like, wait, how did we mm-hmm. get here? Because uh, it's really funny. If you look at all our lists, we're like one or two away on each kind of ranking. So like when you guys yeah. said this, I was like, oh, this is well, basically, so So the audience knows, basically the lowest score gets the higher spot on the list. No, so, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense. Um, Last Jedi, I, the thing I love about The Last Jedi is the Rey and Kylo relationship, and I think Ryan Johnson did an amazing job building out the character of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. I think that movie alone made me love Kylo Ren and Ben Solo in a way that I left TFA hating him. Like, I absolutely was like, he's the worst person ever. He killed Han Solo. And Ryan Johnson took that character as someone that I was like, he's the worst, to being like, wow, I love him. He's amazing. He's been through so much. Nobody understands him, which is his job as a writer and director to make you feel differently, which he had always said was the goal of this movie, is to go in, he has Luke Skywalker say it, like, it's not going to go the way you think. And I got to tell you, if that was his mission... You did it, Ryan Johnson, because I went in that movie expecting something completely different and left shocked at some things, but overall really, really interested on how they took things and where they went. Um, I loved um, just kind of how Ray and Kylo with the force bonds, force bonding stuff was just so new and unique and the force projection with Luke Skywalker was just like over the top awesome. Um, I I loved the Princess Leia moments, General Organa. I thought uh, Carrie Fisher did an amazing job. And it, there were just so many things in this movie that were just out of the box, that were just not what you'd expect from flashbacks, which nobody had ever seen before. Um, to kind of darker moments for our hero hero characters, which we didn't expect. Um, The whole lack of sound moment uh, was, the Holdo maneuver was Uh insane. And I remember people gasping in the movie theater. Um, And 
I can't talk about this movie without mentioning it. Uh, the throne room scene with Kylo and Rey is one of the best kind of long shot sequences of choreographed fighting and the Snoke killing had me cheering every time and it still does. The moment mm-hmm. when Ben Solo makes yeah. that turn oh, yeah. is just so awesome. Um, yeah. And I think that that moment being so awesome then drives me into certain emotions for the the Rise of Skywalker. We'll get to that eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie was very, very cool. I really, I really liked it. I, uh, I'll i say this about The Last Jedi. I walked out of the movie and I was looking around to my friends and I said, was that the best Star Wars movie that's ever been made? And as we all know, the the general fandom, you know, that was all divided. And when I, I remember watching the movie and and every time I revisit a scene of the movie, I think, man, that movie was so good. But I do think the thing that holds me back on Last Jedi sometimes is something about like the pacing or the length or something, because I feel like if you cut out each and every scene, I love each and every scene. But when you put them all together, I don't I don't feel like getting into that. Um, Something about like I just it's not a very go back to and have fun and, and rewatch that movie. It is just part of the story. And it is an interesting part of the story. And the interesting thing for me, too, is that, you know, it was obviously very controversial. I walked out of the movie feeling one way. And as, you know, you revisit the movie and you have the conversations with other fans, there are times when people point out, you liked that? That didn't make any sense because this and this and this. And you go, oh, yeah, that didn't make any sense. But then time things you didn't get, they will say, oh, I love that because it was like this. And you're like, I didn't even think of that. Whoa, that's crazy. That mm-hmm. movie to me is very contrasted. Um, it, A lot of discussions. The, the worst, the the parts I didn't like about it, let's say, like got worse the longer the conversation went. And the parts I did like about it or whatever got better as the longer I went on in the conversation. And it's it's very flat because of that like i say it's it's contrasted but in that case it's like i don't know how i feel about it because it's it's kind of a, a mix and and what i did like about it when it was the last jedi changed when the rise of skywalker came out because you would think maybe that that would mean you'd not like where rise of skywalker went but it sort of did this weird opposite effect where i'm like oh well now that i know rise of skywalker exists and how that plays out it kind of makes me go back on Last Jedi and think about that one differently. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where it is right now. It, it, it just because it sort of fell into that like middle space that is very contrasted for me. Yeah, the Last Jedi. I, I I think I have the most difficult relationship with the Last Jedi just because you know I feel like fans online have distanced me from that movie just because i don't want to be connected to discourse that happens over that movie like i i've muted that the title of that movie from like my social media i I don't want to see people talking about the last jedi whether it's good or bad i just don't want to see it because it always leads to a grenade and so i've 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 been slowly easing myself back to have my own one-on-one relationship with that movie where there's other movies and Star Wars stuff where I'm like, this feels like I can jump in the pool and really <laughs> have fun with everybody talking about this. But 
TLJ I have a really tough relationship with and it's you know I think I had it um fifth on my list out of the eight um so just above where we have it but I there are a lot of that I really do like um I think and I said this when it came out and you know I you know Lacey sometimes pokes fun me when I bring this stuff up but you know I this was the first premiere I got to go to and I say that because my experience with it when I walked out, I got to leave The Last Jedi before anyone got to say anything about that movie. And that is like a really special thing. And the same for Rise of Skywalker. And I, when I left the theater for both of those, you know, you're looking around, there's people there who you're like, I shouldn't be here. And you're kind of overwhelmed and nervous and I'm by myself and I'm getting my phone back and stuff. I'm like, what am I going to tweet? You know, I can't spoil it. I'm like frazzled. But I remember thinking like, that was like... A really good movie like that was a, not even a star wars movie. it was a really good movie i and i remember when the credits came up just being like i didn't want it to be over yet i wanted to see what i wanted the falcon to go somewhere else and then let's see what else happens and that's always a good thing uh the luke stuff i think is going to age really well as opposed to if he just showed up in his tunic and his green lightsaber and, and beat everybody up and stood on top of the mountain you know, I, I do think I, I understand the the issues with it, but I think that eventually is going to age pretty well in terms of, you know, what he did. And as they expand upon what Jedi are capable of and seeing his, his true power and what he was able to do. Um, and then the Kylo Ren stuff, I agree. I, I thought Adam Driver was so good in this movie. Oh, uh, so good. I, I think the 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 centerpiece of Luke, Kylo and Ray did hurt. Finn and Poe a bit because yep. they got backseated, especially Poe really got just relegated to just being sort of on the ship the whole movie. Um, but in my, I'm approaching this list by trying to focus on the things I like from these movies the most. Um, I, I gorgeously shot movie by Ryan Johnson. You know, he put his all into it. Director and the Jedi proves that, you know, whether you, you like the movie or not, the guy gave it everything he had knowing that, you know, Carrie Fisher, it's her last bow uh, actually filming stuff for it uh that shot of her with just her eyes at the crate base knowing that they were involved at that base early on in the rebellion um and that was um her as an actress's last spot so to speak um a a lot of good things there i uh, you know could i've used more r2d2 and 3po together sure um and the snoke scene and and the whole you know let let the past die, let old things die, join me. That whole conf- conflict between Ray and Kylo Ren, I thought was huge. Like the way that shot just felt so big seeing that in the theater and the little lightsaber just in the middle as they're both trying to use the force to grab it. Just all aspects of that, the Holdo maneuver, just a lot of cool stuff to go back and revisit in that movie. Oh my and- God. Imagine if we did a, a Kessel run of like the top four things we would change in the sequel trilogy. Cool. I mean, that, that, I mean, that's something we could do. But yeah. I, the, the one thing that just came to my mind that I remember seeing that made me realize this is going to be a different type of Star Wars movie is when Leia's looking at the chart of all the rebel sh- or resistance ships that they had at the beginning and you see them all X'd out and mm. it just feels like doom in a way that you never really saw in a Star Wars movie. Even Empire, which is the dark one out of the, the original trilogy, you know, a lot of those guys got out of that Battle of Hoth and, you know, you didn't see like wow, like we just lost like 80% of that fleet that just went you want to know dreadnought. when I knew it was a different movie? You want to take a guess? Oh, 
the moment I went, oh no. Oh, Akbar. Nope. Oh. Luke Skywalker threw the lightsaber. Oh yeah. When he oh, threw the lightsaber, yeah. I went, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But because <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be what I expected, it was not going to be the the Luke that I wanted to see. And I'm not saying that that's the correct choice. I'm just saying I knew in that moment that I was like. People are laughing at the first interaction of Luke and Ray. This is not going to go well for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's not a movie I'm always going to reach for to put on because mm-hmm. it's so heavy. And By the way, and- Mark Hamill's amazing in this film. He should have, you know, been nominated for the Oscar or yeah, some award great. or something. Even though I don't agree with the choices that were made, he killed it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not always going to find it, you know, in my DVD player, or or I'm not gonna always click on it to pop it on, but I'm glad it it exists and that it's you know we could say it's like on our team, mm-hmm, like it's mm-hmm. part of it's part of our team. So, um, and then uh, to move on, anything else on TLJ? We move on. No, I think it's a good segue uh, to the next one though. Yeah, the next one is the next in line in terms of the movie. So, The Rise of Skywalker comes in at number five. Um. And I think this is the one, I mean, this and Rogue One was the most scattered on our lists. I think I had it the highest at four. Um, and James, you had it at six, five. And yeah. Lacey had it at six. So, so I, I was going to say that I don't think it's this one. We'll get we'll get to the other one that is actually the most controversial between us. But yeah, to kick so, off so Rise of you, Skywalker. Yeah, why don't you kick off with Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Um, I, I think I hinted at it a little bit earlier when I was talking about The Last Jedi. Like, I really liked the way The Last Jedi went. And I think for a lot of people, what happened there was that they liked eight so much that when nine came out, nine sort of ruined the trajectory of eight. And I think I had a sort of opposite view of that. I think that nine was the movie that I sort of. <laughs> connected with better in a way and sort of was like that that means that eight was actually the mistake sort you know what i mean like instead of like oh nine messed everything up it's more like now that i see nine eight sort of messed everything up <laughs> you know like well we talked about that on our episode about the lessons learned of, yes you know, yeah making, so yeah. i and i so i th- I think like the thing was is like when I'm I'm looking at you know Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and then this one and two the beginning and the end were both done by JJ. I think like I think of the trilogy as seven and nine and then there's an eight wedged in there. Um, so I think the the positive vibes of of the trilogy the sequel trilogy as a whole start and end with you know the those those that theme or that vibe um uh, the tone uh, coming out of those movies and i like those um but i i will say you know the rise of skywalker not perfect i mean i think the biggest probably the biggest thing to me is the palpatine thing and i go i still am like man that's really good i wish they would have thought of that earlier and just seeded that idea through the whole thing because then you the rise of skywalker would have landed so much better um that to me is like the big hold out on why it isn't higher um but i do well, think you, you had said once they should have revealed that at the end of the last jedi or force awakens even 
I think when Snoke got killed or something, you had said something like that would have been the moment. I, I mean, in the novelization, there's the whole like the voice that talks to Rey when she's fighting uh, Kylo on Starkiller and people are like TFA, looking yeah. back on it and they're like, oh, they could have been Palpatine and, you know, they could have played in that world. And, you know, I, I think that's sort of like where I was thinking, like whether it's The Last Jedi or The uh, Force Awakens, like if if there was some sort of we're headed the direction of Palpatine and he will return and it's going to be crazy. I think people would have been more uh, open to that idea. But after The Last Jedi, it was sort of closed off by a lot of those fans who were thinking it was just going to go in this other direction now that Ryan Johnson took a hard step to the left or the right or whatever way you want to look at it, a different direction. Um, so that that's Rise of Skywalker for, for me. I feel like I think of it in good terms when I think of the sequel trilogy. I like the sequel trilogy seven and nine and then you sort of have that eight wedged in there so i moved eight a little bit down on that list but again i, I like the rest of skywalker for sure yeah Lacey. so i was the one of the three of us that ranked this the lowest on my list um but what i do like about it is i liked that we got to see poe and finn together at the beginning of the movie and they were like off on their mission i loved seeing poe Finn and Ray together. Um, we finally got to see the trio like off on adventures and trying yeah, to figure yeah. out what's going on. Um, I really liked that we got to see the Knights of Ren, even though for a quick moment, really. Mm -hmm. um, I found the whole Ochi of Bastoon thing interesting, but I think the part that I like the most of that whole sequence is the the quicksand. Like I loved how they did that stunt. I liked how it, what it turned into with them falling underneath. I thought some mm -hmm. of the funniest moments were when they were in the caves and stuff. Yeah. Um, the lore I, of Ray healing, like and how yes. it ties in with the dyads and the other stuff and all that. It's like, whoa, this this is crazy. Like what's going Super on? Super cool. And I think my two favorite moments in the movie is Ray jumping the Tie Fighter or Tie Whisper, which. That in the trailer still is one of the most epic moments in a Star Wars trailer. Mm -hmm. Like the moment she did that, everyone in the theater went, "Oh my god!" Like yeah. just me so and John cool. are for actually you two are forever on YouTube <laughs> with yes, that exact yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, and then I think my overall favorite moment is when Ben Solo turns to the light, and then they they transfer the lightsaber, and he fights the Knights of Ren. Oh yeah, and then him and Ray team up. Now, obviously, I wished for a different outcome, um, as many people did, but uh, that moment alone was just really, really awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I think I like this movie the best out of the three of us. Um, the I, I I was longing for the three uh, main characters to be together for a while, and I thought, you know, I was bummed that we didn't really get that till this movie. Um, but the whole found family thing as the main theme for this movie, I thought is very powerful because friendships mean a great deal to me. You know, I consider friends family and, uh, I like the fact that Ray sort of did find her family uh, after just being on her own and her family getting killed when she was a kid. I thought that was powerful that she was able to be embraced that way and, and become, you know, the Jedi she's supposed to be. Um, how people like to gloss over this. Because it was done so well. The fact that Leia is in this movie via Carrie Fisher, 
and arguably, in my opinion, had her biggest impact on a single movie out of these three movies in this movie. You think people you know? gloss over that? I don't think people gloss they over don't, that. They don't talk about it that it was done the way it was done. They talk about it as though she was in the movie is what I'm saying. Like mm. it was done so well, they, they gloss over how difficult it was to bring her back in a movie, a dead person using I, old footage because it it's, was done so well. I will say um, that I talked to someone recently and there were they have they saw the originals a long time ago but they never got into Star Wars and they started watching all the movies they went through all of them and they did make a comment about how this was Carrie Fisher's last movie uh, and I was like well she wasn't she didn't do anything with it <laughs> and crazy. and they were like oh I thought she died uh, like bef- like before it came out but like not and I was like, no, she came, she died before The Last Jedi came out. Yeah. And I, I think like that would, that's one of those things where it's almost like they did such a good job doing it that it's right. almost for anybody that doesn't know, they're like, oh, she, she died. She must have done, just done some of these scenes. They must have wanted to do more with her in this movie. I think I heard that, but they couldn't because, you know, she had passed. And it's like, no, man, she wasn't even involved at all. <laughs> No, mm-hmm. and, overlooked and a little. I understand. It, John. It's yeah, it's crazy. And you know, her her daughter was a stand-in for her in scenes, and I thought just how how JJ handled it was you can do it better. And the Death Star duel was one of the most epic things I've ever seen. It might be one of my favorite lightsaber duels because it, it has that rawness to it that you know she's like clamping her hand, and it feels like people are actually fighting. Um, the Han and Ben moment, you know, I still get emotional thinking about that, a father's relationship with his son and forgiving him, but it's through his own memory of him. Um, the Luke stuff, you know, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, I'm glad Mark Hamill was able to come back one more time. Um, and the Palpatine thing I think could have been better, of course, um, without a doubt. But, and then the, 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 the music, the friendship theme that gets Bobby woven Frick, in throughout it. John yeah, Williams. Yeah, great. Yeah, John Williams, like, he brought it for the final one. No, he's in it. Um, oh, yeah, as the, as the DJ, yeah. <laughs> but, Babu Frick's my favorite part of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Is Bob, he really? Bobby I and, love and Bobby Zori. I, I really like Zori, but <laughs> I, I do wish she was almost more involved. Like, Me I too. wish she, instead of, like, them mm-hmm. leaving the planet... And leaving her behind and then her just showing up. I wish she just would have gone with them or something, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Join whatever. the gang. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, a lot of the big segments in this movie were as big as they get. You know, the Exegol battle was really cool. Um, you know, Ky- I thought Kylo Ren was was cool early on in the movie and, and what they did with, with him later on and the sort of redemption and Leia's sacrifice to, to bring him back and that moment where she calls out to him, like all that stuff. Like I, and, and I think what made me realize why I like this movie more than maybe the average Star Wars fan is I realize it's really like an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. It's there's a there's a heavy MacGuffin involved. They're going on these adventures from place to place. Um, there's a lot of that old school sort of action in it. Like when they're on the chase through the desert, feels like a very Indiana Jones truck chase to me. Um, so I, I look at this movie when I look at this movie through the lens of like an Indiana Jones movie, I like it even more. Um, so. I understand why people have their issues with it, no doubt. Um, but for some reason, this movie landed with me. It's so funny when Lacey and I walked out of the premiere. I was like, "Thank God, people aren't going to argue about this." And, and we get to like the after party, 
and one critic goes up to me and he's like, "I literally said you like I don't that know- piece of crap." I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I literally you said that. And I looked at you and I said, "Are you sure about that?" It, and the I whole know. time John has I was a good getting history. messages. I would have to say when I walked out of that movie, I had at least at least thirty Twitter messages saying, "Is it true? Does Ben Solo die?" Oh, not my experience at all. So I'm yeah. glad that I didn't I, do that. I, I wanted to point out to you just for fun is uh, I, I'll never forget me and John having a conversation about The Last Jedi right after we got out of the theater. And John <laughs> goes, I'm just glad that all that Raylo stuff is done. That's over. That's never coming back. And it was like the catapult for it. I feel like people, it was I was so one of them that was more into after it. That. Yeah. yeah. The shirt yeah. off is what kind of was that you were like. Oh, <laughs> well, oh. she did the Godfather thing where she shut the door on him. You yeah, know? yeah. But yeah. Um, all right. So moving on. Uh, number four on the list uh, is Rogue One. And, um, and this is our most controversial because uh, our, our rankings. Well, and, and let's be clear. We love all these movies. No, no, no. In, in varying respects. It's, but it's nice Star to Wars know fans, our preferences. But, I think people yeah, ask yeah. us a lot what our preferences Cause, are. Because I, I looked at our list and I was like, oh man, you know, like me and John are pretty similar at the top. Me and Lacey are more similar down at the bottom. That's interesting. But like uh, across the board, well, Rogue One was like, it was John, your number six, Lacey's number four, and my number one. So it's like yeah. almost barring the so whole. So you go last on Rogue One. Because I, I mean, I mean, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to say a whole lot about it, honestly, because I think everybody uh, on the podcast already knows the reasons why I love Rogue One. Yeah, I, I love Rogue One too, and I there's so much about it I appreciate. And sometimes when I think about making these lists, I think about doing the podcast as those movies were being built up to. And I remember us talking about, oh my god, they you know they got a new composer, Michael Giacchino's coming in. He only has three months or whatever. Then you listen to that score and you just hit a home run with it. I think the score is honestly one of the stronger points that really lifted that movie. Um, I I love Felicity Jones. I thought she was great as Jyn Erso. Uh, Really, the whole cast, I thought, brought it for Rogue One. And I think the biggest strength for that movie, and you guys know me, characters are first for me over plot. We know what the plot of this movie is. It's the crawl from A New Hope. But they sold us on these characters and in one movie they were able to make me care about all of them because by the end as they were all getting picked off i felt it whereas you know in some movies if you meet a character for the first time in that movie and they get killed there's a lot of times i don't even remember the character's name and in rogue one they did an excellent job of making you care about these characters go on this whole arc with them and then watch their sacrificial demise which you sort of know is coming in the back of your mind because you're like where would they have been then and they do it in two hours and 14 minutes or whatever it is and that's just a massive achievement when you think of what the type of time they're using to build characters in a in the series prequel to this Cassian andor we're looking at you know 14 hours probably by the end of this thing they whatever what they were able to do in rogue one was incredible in terms of the characters and uh, i think it only helps the story of star wars because you can really watch this right into a new hope and it is pretty awesome. Yeah, I Lacey, think go, yeah, why don't you go? For me, there's two things that kind of set Rogue One apart from other Star Wars movies. I think one is the locations, like the the places they shot this movie mm-hmm. are stunning. Oh, yeah. Iceland and and everywhere else just 
they look otherworldly and the budget is there. Like you can see where these big budget Star Wars movies at the beginning of the kind of the Disney Lucasfilm push for these movies once a year, they went nuts with this one. And I, I loved everything about it. I thought the characters were great. K2SO is like my favorite character in Rogue One. I love everything about him. I thought uh, Alan Tudyk was perfect. Rogue One is just great. Like you said, John, Felicity Jones was great. I, I There's just so many memorable lines and moments. <clears throat> and compared to what I said about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, this one has changed how I view A New Hope. It has changed how I view future things. Oh, yeah. Yep. Whereas I feel like Kenobi, yes, obviously there's moments that I'm going to be like, yes, they talked about this in Kenobi, but not the way that I think this one impacted me. And I believe Rogue One has the best space battle of all Star Wars movies. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, James, why don't you take Rogue One home um, with some of the things that really... Why Why is it... Yeah. What, what took it to number one for you? I mean, I think I think part of the, this discussion is interesting because it's fun to kind of we all know we like the Last Jedi, but like, what what are the parts that we what, that held it back, you know? Um, and and to me, I think this is the least interesting for me to talk about it because it's my number one. I don't have anything interesting to say about it. It's just best. It fires on all cylinders for me. Every part about it is is perfect, from the actors to the music to the scene to the scenes and the uh the the, the pacing and everything about it. I think like you know the the I don't know why I'm going to this first, but like the scene of uh, Jin watching the the hologram of her father and the, they're playing that music. And, you know, if you're picturing a piano, they're up here, they're bling, hitting these notes up here real high and they're hitting that. And then like you get to that moment where, you know, she's emotionally upset and all this and stuff. And the end, Channel goes to the side, boom, and he hits that, <laughs> you know, as soon as that uh, Death Star hits, he goes down to the lowest note on the piano and he just holds that. And it's just like, you there the the expansiveness of of Star Wars in in this movie is just so exciting to me that even when I'm watching you know the sequel trilogy and you're thinking oh man we, you know one two three four five six that was great and and that's going to be huge can Star Wars carry on forever is it possible I watch seven eight nine and I I I see it yes though they could always carry it on but there's always this like misstep of the possibility that they could just that that legacy of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, it could wear itself out. Rogue One is the movie and the inspiration for me that says, no matter what, we can always introduce you to new characters in this world and it will be successful over here, over here, over here, over here. And yeah. I know there's connections to the original trilogy, but to me that feels very much like it. it only has connections to star wars right because it is in the star wars world but what is interesting to me is the characters is the music is the location is the world that they're in and again i said it at the beginning i'll say it again fires on all cylinders for me it's my number one and also i we didn't even bring it up you know the vader scene like people take it as oh the oh yes surface. oh my god i forgot about that <laughs> it not only is it awesome in its own bubble in that movie but it really does help Vader's how we view Vader in the original trilogy because we see full menace Vader here, and Brutal, then savage, the moment yeah. the moment he understands that he has a son that's still alive and stuff like that, th his motive his motives change in the original trilogy in the second film. 
and we don't we no longer really see that vader that we get in rogue one so i think it was important to see that you know i know he has certain things he did in the comics for sure um but for for the general audience to be able to see what vader is capable of in that way i think was massive and then also it softened the blow of seeing what he did to that village in obi-wan kenobi because we're like uh vader's walking down uh a street aka another hallway something bad's about to happen it allowed us to prepare for what he did to those people but in a lot of way with the uh, vader thing too is like um it's sort of the first of like i said with other characters you know star wars can exist outside of that world when it comes to vader it was our first like revisit of like can vader work not in the original movies and we saw that movie and we go yes so get excited because Vader's possible now, you know, and, and mm-hmm. then yeah. we get Obi-Wan Kenobi oh, and, and we're like, yeah, Vader's possible now. They can do that, you know? So I think like seeing that scene in Rogue One also like reassured and just uh, made everybody feel good about the the future of the franchise because we can we can always just keep making more Star Wars and it'll be fine, yeah. you know? They might not all hit, but it you this <laughs> is proof of concept, you know? And Ben Mendelsohn played such a great worm Oh yeah, Krennic. Yes, and you'll uh, talk to the Emperor. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you'll tell him. I'm still in command. (laughs) Yeah, love it. Oh god. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) Yes. Already sarcastically says my condolences. Yeah. About. uh, Yeah. So good. My condolences. Um. All right. Next on the list, Disney Plus represent at number three, The Mandalorian. Leapfrog some Skywalker saga films. John Favreau, Dave Filoni, uh, bringing it. Two seasons in the can. We obviously have more to go, but I think there's enough been on our plate as we've seen at least complete seasons to add it on the rankings. Um, so, Lacey, why don't you kick us off with Mando? Um, where did you have it on your list? Uh, oh, you I had, had it, at it three, at right? Three. So right in there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Mando has changed the way that I view Star Wars. I think it's created completely original characters and taken its own uh, kind of cultural impact for pop culture, like in a way that I didn't think Star Wars could get any bigger. With Grogu and with Mando, it's introduced a whole new group of fans people didn't feel the need to get involved with everything else with star wars there are people that are just mando fans and i love that um you see him everywhere he he's everywhere all the toys all the merch just on disney plus all the time all the commercials transcended star wars he's beyond star wars he is straight pop culture and i love seeing that because with the success of Mando means more Star Wars. So for me, The Mandalorian is number three because out of all the series that they've made so far, it is the most rewatchable. I could go back and rewatch Mando and be happy from start to end That's and know, point. even though I know what's coming and there's no episodes that I watch that I'm like, I'm not a fan of this episode. Man, this episode doesn't do it. Like they all are awesome they all have their moments and i just can't wait to see where this character is going next he's just part of what i think of star wars now he's one of my favorite characters and i know when we first watched as it came out you know week after week there was a little bit of frustration with 
uh, the adventure of the week this week. And he, you know, he, it, he mm-hmm. didn't really do anything in that episode and stuff. And, you know, eventually you find, you, you see the last episode and you're like, all right, well, that did build up to something. But I do sometimes like the fact for the rewatch element, like you said, if I just want to watch that little 25, nine minute or 35 minute story, just because I want to watch him, uh, I want to watch <laughs> Alien one. in space and see uh, the, the sci-fi version of uh, you know, Boba Fett and, and those, those people on mm-hmm. that ship. You know, oh, I can yeah. watch Episode that six in, in season above. one. Yeah. Yeah. But um, James, uh, Mando, um, you had it at four. So right in there. I had it at three. So so wh- why did Mando get to leapfrog some stuff for you? So so sometimes you've probably heard the phrase like some people like the lore, some people like the war, right? So it's like the sort of the force side, the Jedi and the Sith and all that stuff. And then there's also like the politics and the, the actual like people on the ground and the stormtroopers and all that stuff. And I think that Mando has done like probably the best job of blending those two worlds and personifying them perfectly in your title characters. I think the Mandalorian absolutely represents sort of the Rogue One, like realism, gritty. Um, I'm just a person trying to make my way, make money, and I'm a bounty hunter, you know, that whole thing meets the other side, which when, you know, Baby Yoda represents um, the Force and every character that comes with that. We're getting Luke's, we're getting Ahsoka's, we're getting, um, you know, other other characters who are who would then have a reason to tell Mandalorian that about the energy field that binds us all together. You know what I mean? It's like those two worlds so perfectly come together. And I think like, as you do have, as you explained it, like the adventure of the week sort of thing, you have an opportunity to explore star Wars in a different way. Um, where you can celebrate everything that is cool about star Wars. Like in this episode, we go to this planet because those types of planets are cool. In this episode, we go and we uh, fly in one of these ships because one of the big things about Star Wars fandom is people really like the ships. It's like, yes, um, in all these other movies, we've gotten good examples of great ships, but it does feel like with the, like the Razor Quest, uh, Razor Crest, and now the um, the N1 Starfighter, it's like they're they're even celebrating the ships in that show. Um, mm-hmm. It's like every angle of Star Wars, they they have somehow found a way to kind of bring it all together. And uh, I just think they do a really good job at it. Um, I mean, there's like the same thing that we said about other shows with, with the volume. There's like production things and sometimes it feels small and we're back on tattooing again. You know, sometimes it's like that. But I yeah. think it's one of those things when you step back and look at the show as a whole, we all just sort of go like, yeah, but Mandalorian, right? <laughs> it's so good, <laughs> right? I think we all just kind of enjoy it. Um, and I think that's because it has a little bit of everything that to which all fans go, yeah, there's some hangups, but that stuff was really cool. And I did really like that. And we can all sort of celebrate. Yeah, I, I think the Mandalorian is like in a weird way underrated right now. Um, and it had so much pressure on it because you know you're ending the skywalker saga a month after this show debuts like this show was so important for the success of star wars 
from that point on, being the guinea pig, the first one, mm-hmm. the first thing to debut on Disney Plus too. First like yeah. new live action series, I think besides Star Wars, it debuted like the first day of Disney Plus. We were calling and it Mandalorian. I did, yeah, because I, I didn't like Mandalorians that much, and I was like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not sure what we're gonna get here. I was bought, I bought in with the trailers. I was always a huge John Favreau fan. Uh, I like Dave Filoni, but I was always a huge, huge John Favreau fan, dating back to Swingers. So I always like was in his corner. Um, Lion King aside, not a big fan, but um, I, I, I love. I think John Favreau is one of the better Star Wars writers we've had in a long time, and I, I think what he's good at is, um, like sneaking up on you by developing the story without you realizing it, and he weaves certain things in and out of these episodes that may seem surface level and 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 you can sort of cast them aside but then when you get to the end of that season and you're like oh wow so that's why that person's here and that's why he talked to that person and uh, and then by the end of the second season I'm sitting there watching you know the greatest hero in the history of Star Wars come in and everyone's losing their mind that Luke Skywalker young Luke Skywalker's back to save the day the episode's literally called the rescue the X-Wing comes in. We're all jumping off our couches, I'm sure. And I am heartbroken and devastated that Grogu is going with Luke Skywalker, the greatest hero in Star Wars history. And that is a testament to how strong of a bond they built between Din Djarin and the kid. And as a dad, that hit me. And I still like I get a little choked up thinking about it. And I remember, I, I have a hard time re- re-watching that. Him saying goodbye to him and stuff like that. And I know that maybe they got them back together too soon. I don't care. They need to be together. But th- that that episode alone, I was like, John Farrow is a, a king. The fact that they pulled this off, and Filoni too. I'm not trying to you know disparage that, but Favreau and all the secrets seasons. that Favreau's kept, like Grogu yeah, and with the, itself. Yeah, the Plo being... Koon decoy stuff. Yeah, and introducing characters, uh, to to the story. You know, two live I, action. I, yeah. Two live action, you know, Cobb Vanth and the first episode of season two. That episode felt like it was a movie that he directed. Yeah, Ahsoka Tano in live action. You said it good, James. You know, it's it's a good blend, but it's also a great balance of what Jon Favreau tells us on the surface for like the Good Morning America crowd. Like, it's like getting your old action figures out and I like playing with them and I'm having such a good time. You know, this Ugnaught was a nobody in Empire Strikes Back. We're going to make him an important character. And we're going to do that a lot with these IG droids. But then when you peel that all back, he told a really powerful story of, again, found family and this, this, this um, you know, hero's journey from going from this bounty hunter, uh, just do, doing things for cash to really falling in love with this kid and wanting to do anything to protect him. And it's one of the more powerful things. And the fact that that, that juxtaposed against the fact that it had to be a hit because it's the first one on Disney Plus, Bob Iger's banking on it. Uh, what is Star Wars on TV like in live action? And they pulled it off. And and to be the first and pull it off, that that's something to be said that a lot of people don't give it credit for because maybe these other things don't get to happen without it. And we could say, you know, this series is better than this. This series is better than that. Mandalorian is, is, is the reason why it happened. I think for long run series there's a certain um method that always seems to work for me 
uh, and I've said it about Dragon Ball, and I, I think when I, John, you're gonna roll yours at this, but it's like it's kind of one of the reasons why I like the Fast and Furious thing is that because they do something similar. It's as you meet enemies along the way, they eventually become your allies. Um, and I think Mandalorian does a really good job at that with like Grief Karga, enemy at first, ally now. Cara Dune, enemy at first, ally now. You know, um, I mean, and you can go through the list. Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, um, even um, Black Chrysanthemum. You know, I mean, that that goes into um, Book of Boba Fett. But, you know, as the, as I, you see that as Mandalorian 2.5 or whatever. Like, I think as the story progresses we meet people some people are truly evil um and those will always be your enemies but in but as you meet people along the way i think the reason when you see them later and they're friends you look back at the whole journey you look fondly back at the whole journey and being like remember when we didn't like each other and then remember all the ways that we got to how we are today I think that Mandalorian is really setting itself up to be a long-term series that people look back on the whole landscape of it and say, "Man, what a what an adventure, what a journey." Yeah. That from the very beginning and you go back and watch that first episode and he doesn't know like any of those characters, doesn't know Grogu, doesn't know. I mean, even Grogu himself was the, a target. You know, it was like he turned that character in. He thought he was yep. going to get die die or uh, get eaten or something, you know? And it's like, yeah, how far we've come from that first episode to where we are now and how far we have still yet to go, I think is a reason that people look fondly on The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, all right. So Mandalorian makes the podium. Uh, we got two more to go. Um, number two, The Force Awakens. Um, it was, I think, where was it on my list? This is like when at... the runner-up gets announced and so you know who the winner is. <laughs> yeah, so so number two, Force well... Awakens. Uh, I had it at two on my list. I know it's Lacey's favorite. Um, and James, you had it at three. So we all had it on our podium. Um, Lacey, why don't you kick us off with Force Awakens since it is your favorite um, at number two on our list. Um, there's not much to say about TFA that I haven't said in yeah, the that's how I you know, four almost five years that I've been doing this podcast. Everybody knows it's my favorite. It's my go-to Star Wars movie. Everything about it, I think, is absolute perfection. From the characters, to the story, to the pacing, to the special effects, and the locations. I just... It's just perfect. I I, I kind of feel for James now when he was talking about Rogue mm-hmm. One. It's like, even the music, like Ray's theme is... I think one of, if not the best Star Wars theme, character theme, mm-hmm. it, it's still my phone ringtone. Um, I have such fond moments of seeing the trailer for the first time at Celebration uh, to actually engaging with the guest, with uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega before they were even celebrities, really, and just being like, these people don't even know what's about to happen to them. Uh, to just like going to Force Fridays and all the toys and just being a part of everything that's gearing up to Star Wars is back. It's just a feeling that will never change. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that, Lacey. Like, I think the special thing about Force Awakens, and I was kind of hinting at this earlier when I was talking about Rogue One, is there's something special about 
the first. And I think that's what, what you were getting at too. I think that The Force Awakens just encapsulates everything about the last 30 some years of Star Wars that we grew up with our families and uh, we had we had discussions with our friends and we've debated over the merits of the prequels and everything and all of that coming back. I mean, you can see it in the box office numbers. It's not like people don't like Star Wars movies uh, anymore. It's just that we were so excited for The Force Awakens. And I think the the craziest thing about it is that because there were no I mean, there were expectations to Star Wars, so merits there on like JJ landing it and actually doing something cool. Um, I I just think that there sort of was no expectations. Like, who's Ray? Well, I don't know. Let's find out. You know, who's Finn? Yeah. I don't know. Let's the period, find out. The period I don't after care TFN who she is is yeah. just so wonderful. That that who's who? What is her background? Like all that kind of collective fandom guessing game was one of the highlights of being a Star Wars fan. It's weird to say that like that movie could have had such high expectations where like no matter what they did, it was going to fail because that's an example for a lot of stuff like any sequel, basically, especially ones that went like, you know, uh, it's been 20 years and we're coming back to do so and so too, you know, or whatever. It's like there's all these weird expectations behind that stuff. I don't know how Star Wars managed to pull it off, but The Force Awakens, it, it seemed like everybody went in being like, I literally just do not care. Show me what it is and then I will start caring. It's like we all hit the reset button or something and we just accepted that this was going to be the new Star Wars and we were going in with all of the previous feelings we had about star wars and just putting it on this new one and saying now go like now run you know um i just i i think that to me is the reason that the force awakens works uh it works as a movie it works as a story it works as a setup uh between all the things that we've we're probably going to talk about you know as far as like um the practical and the locations and you know the story just all that but I think the reason it really holds a place in everybody's hearts as like th- the reason it would be so high on this list is sort of the, <laughs> I don't want to say nostalgia, that's not the right word, but it's that same feeling of like, yes, like that's what I want, that's I'm excited. Uh, I just love that thing. So yeah, yeah. I think Force Awakens and is that. I'll, I'll add on top of that the the lead up to the force awakens also uh, you know it it stood on its own there was no other things that people were looking at at the time for star wars it was that was it that was the goal that was the target and you know people talk about how it's too much nostalgia and it's too much like a new hope and and stuff like that i have nostalgia for the force awakens now yeah you know, seven years later i that feeling i felt around that time i want to feel that all the time as a star wars fan and I don't always feel that way. Um, but also, you know, obviously Lawrence Kasdan's my favorite writer. They brought him back and that like blew my mind. And I, I admire JJ and knowing that we're getting the return of the big three, but also meeting these new people. It was like all the like the new and the old and the way it came together. And they and they landed again. They stuck the landing with uh, a big return, sort of like the Mandalorian, like had to start things for Disney Plus. Force Awakens had to restart Star Wars and they did it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things don't work out as well if that movie doesn't and they they pulled it off. So I have nothing but 
good feelings thinking about that time, the build up to it, all the toys, everything after it, speculating, getting into podcasting, all that stuff. But also the movie itself, I can rewatch it now and it just feels good. Feels it's real good. It's a lot easier to talk about our earlier picks on this list because like we're almost like defending like why they're so low, you know? Um, yeah. And here's some things we like about them. So they're not bad, you know, but I think this one and the next one, I think we're all going to be like, what haven't we said? <laughs> you know? Right. So, <laughs> you know, the next one, I didn't realize that this would be the case, but Solo wound up being number one on our list. And I know there are people out there like, oh, guys, enough of the Solo stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Solo in itself, besides us wanting a sequel, um, I, I think is a very underrated Star Wars movie. I, I think it's a movie that deserved, deserved better. Um, I think it's one of the movies that is actually gaining more and more fans as it goes over time. And people are coming around to it. Even people didn't like it at first. Uh, I see saying like, you know what? I went back and uh, after all the hoopla is gone about the production stuff that I, I did like Solo. And um, what I love about Solo, I'm not going to get too far in the weeds with it, is just that when I talk to people who like it, they're like, yeah, because it's just a fun romp. And I'm like, it is. But it's also a lot deeper if you really pay attention in terms of the construction of who Han Solo becomes at the end of the movie. And that was confirmed as intentions by Lawrence Kasdan and Alden Ehrenreich. He's, you know, he becomes that hardened sort of jaded person by the end because of everything that happens in the movie, which is a very fun movie and they tell it in, in a great way, but just all the beats are there. It was George Lucas's idea to make this movie. Ron Howard is an OG Lucasfilm guy, got his start there with acting and in the movies. Um, Lawrence Kasdan writing it, the greatest Star Wars composer. John Williams does the score for the theme. I mean, and then John Powell follows that up. What more can you ask for if you're a diehard um, old school Star Wars fan? And I thought Alden Ehrenreich knocked it out of the park. Jonas, fantastic. The whole cast, you know how I feel about Solo. So I could watch that movie anytime, any day. I absolutely love Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was joking, like, what, what more is there to say? I mean, like, Solo... Solo did end up on all of our lists. I think John, you had it number one. I had it number two. Lacey had it number two. Right? Is that right? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think it's 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 like okay, looking at my number one, like sometimes people come up and they're like, oh, I didn't really like Rogue One, right? And I I get like immediately like, what didn't you like about Rogue One? You know? And I don't feel that more than anything with uh with solo because or, or more more than any other movie i i think solo's the number one where i feel i get that feeling and i think that's because i i can't find problems with it really but yet when people talk about it in that negative light of like ah solo whatever and it gets pushed off i don't think rogue one gets pushed off as much i think solo gets pushed off a lot and i'm like I hear what you're saying about the movie and I don't agree with you. Like in some of these other ones, like I do see what you're saying about last Jedi. I do see what you're saying about, you know, the rise of Skywalker Mandalorian or anything, you know, there are certain aspects of that piece of property that I go. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, you know, it's, maybe it's more for me and it's, it's not so much for you. I see your angle on that. I, I just, I have such a hard time with people who don't, get solo or don't like it doesn't connect with them and i'm like i don't i hear what you're saying about it and i'm like did you watch the movie (laughs) like the negative things about it 
I I feel upset sometimes because I'm like, I don't think you saw the same movie. You need to go rewatch it or something. And it almost makes me think that it has become a movie that somebody just saw once and then like their friends talked about negative about it and they're like, yeah. And like they did, they don't really have a good opinion on it, personal opinion or something. I don't know. I'm making that up, but it's like, I struggle to find why people don't like that movie. Um, and I think that's why we are so passionate about the make solo Two happen thing because we're like, Oh, we just don't get it. We just honestly just do not get it. This is a great star Wars movie. Yeah. That was yeah. long winded. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, quickly. I just think that cause you guys have been listening now for quite a while. Um, I think, you know, solo is a really good fun movie to watch. I, I said this a long time ago. We were doing a Kessel run where it was like, what scene would you show to someone that's never seen Star Wars? And I picked the whole Kessel run sequence of Mm -hmm. Han Solo flying the Falcon and dealing with the TIE fighters and everything like that. I've never smiled more than that sequence. Like I had the biggest smile on my face from the moment I saw it and he started flying and he had all his old tricks and, you know, Chewie jumps in the seat with him and it's straight. Star Wars, fun, perfection, awesomeness. Um, And I think Kira is one of the best Star Wars characters ever created. And that's just one of the few reasons I love Solo. An old school, like, Hollywood romance. Like, gone with the wind type romance with Kira and Han. I think Star Wars uh, has been missing that, as you point out often, Lacey. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know we love Solo here, but we love all these movies. So the, the final list... Uh, number one, Solo. Number two, The Force Awakens. Number three, The Mandalorian. Number four, Rogue One. Number five, The Rise of Skywalker. Six, The Last Jedi. Seven, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And eight, The Book of Boba Fett. And we'll revisit these later. But uh, we want to thank everybody for listening and watching and being a part of TRB. Make sure you subscribe everywhere. Tell a friend. Rate us. Uh, Star Wars News Net for all of your Star Wars news, of course. Uh, and patreon.com slash resistance broadcast if you want to support what we do here. Tears start at just $5 per month. Your support means a great deal to us and allows us to do more in addition to what we're already doing now. So go check it out, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Your support would mean a great deal to us to allow us to grow what we do here at TRB. So thank you. Uh, special shout out to our generals and spice runners, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Chris White, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Samuel Zilke, Sneaky Zebra, and Val Trichkoff, and our spice runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, and Michael Fry. Thank you all for your support. And to all of our patrons in the base, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey, writing and editing at Star Wars News Net, and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. James? Uh, Twitter and Instagram, both at Myra Trunks. Lacey? Twitter and Instagram, at Lacey Gilleran. And Lacey's airport limousine service, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, we'll be back on Wednesday. Me, Lacey, James will be on vacay. Uh, but maybe a guest will will let you know. But enjoy your weeks. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll see you next time right here on TRB. See you around, kids.